we are starting Scotch session. I don't know what number we're up to, but this is uh, Stuart Cox with you. And we have a very special guest today who is family, and that is Ian Skippen. Uncle Ian, welcome to the Scotch sessions. Well, uh, thank you for hosting us in your uh, lovely abode and imbibing in the uh, Scotch with me and enjoying a few tunes this afternoon. You excited? I have strapped myself in. I really don't know what I'm in for here, but I've been racking my brains about 10 songs about where they feature in your life. Is that it? The Scotch Sessions, over the years, like originally it was just Peter and I just doing uh, songs that we shared together. Over Was that Scotch. Peter Gabriel? <laughs> Not Peter Gabriel. Uh, DJ Peter Curtis. And then other people we decided to get involved because it was quite interesting to hear what their influential songs were. So we just started doing 10 songs um, but you can only select 10 over the course of your life so that that way it makes you really think about it and value now i'm going to introduce a scotch here which is rather unique first time we've had this brand on the scotch sessions usually we're quite traditionalist in that we have scotch single malt whiskies but this one has won a bunch of awards this is a cavalan from taiwan Whoa, I haven't tried this one. So, yeah, it's really interesting. The beauty, I've been told by Scotch experts down in the, uh, the whiskey uh, shop down in Sydney that I used to go to, that the Cavallan, the reason that we've got some good wind out. We've got a force-fired gale happening at the moment. Yeah, apologies for any, any people who are... Apologies for my wind. Yeah, apologies for the local wind. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Cavallan, the, apparently the reason that they make such good scotches is because they've got greater temperature differential between summer and winter which means that they can mature quicker about three times the speed of light not light but the scotches in scotland can so a five-year will taste like a 15 year wow what a great advertising pitch that is it you is one that one sinker well let's see what it's like this is the port cask version oh, port cask Cabellan. we're brought to you by Cabellan whiskey from taiwan when I'm in Taiwan, sure, I sure. always drink Cabellan. Okay. All right. Do we need some water to enliven the spirit? As the, I'll uh, see you. I think we add water after usually for uh, for these kind of drinks. But Slam. Salonsha. What are your thoughts on that one, Skip? Very smooth. Mm, very smooth. Bit of early burn. Bit of licorice on the back palate. And now warming my tonsils. Here we go. Just what we need for a winter in Brisbane, which is probably about 23 degrees today. I feel like a song. Yeah, that's pretty good. So speaking of songs, uh, I was, oh I'm, God, I've been thinking, uh, you know, I've been really curious as to what you would actually uh, choose today. You worked in a career in radio, which meant that you didn't really have control of the playlist. Whereas today... Probably just as well, <laughs> when you hear what I've chosen. Yeah, the ratings might have gone a different direction. <laughs> So today is about your journey in music. So why don't we kick off two songs and then we can discuss them. You know, we can go through a bit of history there. Oh, that's got a warmth, hasn't it? It has got some warmth. We can add a little drop of water to that if you want. No, that's okay. This is a, an interesting journey because when I thought about it, my earliest experiences with music had to come from listening to the radio and in the 50s when I was a little tacker, there was something, the radio was alluring to me. I just had to be right up close, I had to have my ear 
right beside the radio, the, the big old radios, like a, it was a piece of furniture. Yeah, the valve radios. Was, yeah, yeah, it was a piece of furniture in our house. It was a big, it was a massive thing. Big thing. In Grandma's house, that was a big chest kind of... Yeah. Thing. What do they call those? Is that, is that a chest? It was, like upright, it was like an upright... Cabinet. It was a cabinet, yeah. It was a piece of furniture with cloth across the front and the speaker, big speaker in the bottom of it. But I, my earliest memory, there was a song by a bloke called Daryl Stewart. Now, some of my choices today probably might be tinged in a, uh, with a religious aspect because I was exposed to a lot of that growing up and, and through life, I guess, being in choirs and things. But there was a song by Daryl Stewart called, uh, there was a man called Peter. It was called A Man Called Peter. So we're talking 50s. Yeah. And that song, for some reason, stayed with me. And at that time, Bill Hale and the Comets, Rocker and the Clock, all those things were happening. And, you know, rock and roll was the birth of. But as a little guy, I probably wasn't sort of... Mature enough to get into that. Yeah, yeah. Until later. If I ever matured. So we're going to start with this. Come on, let's, let's do it. And then tell me about the second one afterwards. All right. All right, so here we go. A Man Called Peter. A Man Called Peter by Daryl Stewart. Stewart. Began to smile 
helps people just like me. If surprised me there wow what a couple of oh. emotional stirring can we call them gospel songs they both yeah I'm sorry that song I gotta tell you so that first one man called Peter so my dad's father very religious he was a record by an uncle a Methodist minister Billy Graham 
brought the crusade to Brisbane to the exhibition ground. Sold it out, didn't he? There was, oh, I don't know, 90,000 people. Yeah. I was a little guy with my grandfather. How old are we talking here? I think it was 58 or 59. Wow. And that song was sung by, the, the singer of the crusade was George Beverly Shea was always on the Billy Graham Crusades. And I never have forgotten that song. And I've been in places, and just even now, I can't help but tear up when I hear that song. Now, I don't know what it is that invokes all those, or evokes those memories, but maybe from then, but I've been at funerals of a great mate of mine who ran Youth for Christ in Brisbane, Sammy Hayburn. Oh, yeah. He would just appear in my life uh, over Softly time. spoken, guys. Sammy Hebron. He was a, an Irishman. He was a bricky, an Irishman, and he ran Youth for Christ. And I did a lot of stuff with him when I was at 4KQ. But he would just sometimes appear. When I might have been having a, some struggles with career or dealing with things, and he would, he'd just arrive one day. Actually, this is strange. It was at the exhibition. And I was on a stand, I was then at Triple A, uh, B105, and they said, a guy was asking for you, and uh, they said his name is Sam Hayburn, he's coming back. And I said, oh, okay. Oh, I hadn't seen him in ages and ages. So he came back and he gave me a book, and it wasn't long after that he died. Oh, really? And at, at, that, at that point at, at work, I was probably having some tough times, but the book was just, uh, it was a book of wisdom, biblical stuff as well, but it was just one of those books you pick up and just put down. But he wrote a nice passage in the front, but at his funeral, they played how great they were. Well, I've got to tell you, the feeling I had today was just that feeling at his funeral. I think of Sam and my grandfather, every time I hear that song, I can't help but... So I never got to meet Grandfather Skipper. Tears in my eyes. But, you know, he's... Uh, a bit of a interesting. He was a character. Well, quite. He actually was quite a character, wasn't he? But he was a teetotaler, and he was a teetotaler. He signed the pledge. He was a record bite. He was. He survived World uh, War One. Gallipoli and the Somme. Yeah. Yeah. He was the Somme. He was a prisoner of war. A, a deep thinking man, well read. He was a coal miner in Ipswich. Yeah. Uh, he was a farm boy. Uh, that's when he met my uh, paternal grandmother. But deeply religious as well. He was deeply re- religious, and so was she. Yeah. And I can remember being with my sisters and cousins around the piano at their place at Cook Street with that. Playing these kinds of... And, when, well, with be, at that time, your mum, my sister, would play things from West Side Story and South Pacific mm-hmm. and Mary Widow and all those. Those I can still see that, King and I, and we would sing those. But there was... My grandmother played piano and the organ in the church as well, Methodist church, staunch Methodists. Oh, liquor. Whoa. I remember when we were teenagers, well, because we were drinking underage then, probably. Yeah. And oh man, she frowned on it so much. Liquor, you, why are you drinking that stuff? Yeah. But the Scots is going well there. Yeah. Didn't stop. Well, it, but those know, two songs, I mean. So the first one, like, it's very interesting. Um, quite a light uh, soprano voice. Yeah, uh, a tenor. Oh, well, sorry, tenor voice. Um, but yeah, almost like a female soprano yeah, kind of touch to it. Uh, rather than a belting tenor, 
But then that trumpet, trumpet is, comes is in. quite weird. I had goosebumps you when never, the trumpet came in. You don't usually hear those. Well, um, the organ you and ne- the trumpet. Because I never got to play my trumpet in the church when I, uh, mm. as a kid. And now a lot of the... Um, Whereas if you're in a black... Pentecostal church is now... Yeah. Well, hello, I've been in... If you're in the deep south, you'd be bringing out a trumpet, yeah. trombone, French horn and all the rest. Well, Elvis Presley, see, he grew up in that Bible Belt. Yeah. And I went to his, his house where he grew up. And later on, I went to, because I was doing a music tour around the south of America when I was at 4KQ. We did Nashville, we did Memphis, and we went to um, uh, oh, Tupelo, Mississippi, where he was born. Mm-hmm. And I went and I said, I want to go to a, a, a full-on gospel proper service. Gospel so service, yeah. we went up to, I was with some friends from the tour and 4KQ, and stormed up the steps of this big Baptist church, and I said, oh... So the guy, hello, um, my friends, welcome. And I said, look, I'm looking for a, a you know, full-on gospel. And he looked at me like he said, well, you won't find that here. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. So we got into a cab and they took us around the back blocks and we were talking cars abandoned and stuff. And oh, yeah. we were driving down the street and I, you could hear this noise coming from this little hall. Well... The two girls I was with and myself walked in because we were, it was like a magnet. We were drawn in and there it was. It was like... How many people? Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, really? Sister Act? It was like Sister Act. There was the trumpets and sting and, and we were the only three white faces. And there's probably about uh, 200 people. Where did they sit you? Well, we just, <laughs> no, we just came in and, we, we, and there's looks and smiles and they launched, and there was a, a visiting evangelist, female evangelist from New York, who was the preacher. And I never, she was doing, and I'm telling you, and she's bashing the pulpit. And every time she did, and all these, all the black mamas out front go, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And it went and went and went and went and went. And it was a couple of hours, and they were singing in the Trumpet was going and tambourine. Dancing in the aisles. It was just amazing. And then they invited us to stay for um, grits and jowls or hot dogs, whatever they were doing. And, but we couldn't. We didn't have time. But I walked out of there and the girls were going, oh, my God, is that just one of the great highlights of, of your life? It was just one of those things that happened on, on, on your travels. But if we hadn't gone to the first place, we would never have known. And I suppose that's one of the great things that uh, a community like like any church community offers and you know Hillsong in Australia is a great testament to that in that they use music to, in, connect. to connect people better than most well and that music really is a connecting thing and do you think that listening back to those songs do you reckon they were the first um, cogs you know going together in your brain saying oh music is uh, you know a, the big emotional connection here between 80,000 people well, yeah, and also because those got the, the music came, be it Elvis from that Bible Belt, be it um, Aretha Franklin, the daughter of a Baptist minister. Yeah, that music came, and the blues. I'm thinking now, like the black music, they call it the devil's music because of that Bible Belt, and the they were making their blues yeah. in their juke joints and places yeah. hence the term jukebox comes from that the juke joints were where they were doing their blues and they'd go and dance and stuff and 
the white people, the Bible people, call it devil's music. And that's why Robert Johnson, that devil at the crossroads, yes. that, that was, and, and um, when you think of the Stones, they are a blues band. Oh, at, their, at their core. And, and Keith Richards says, baby, oh, I won't come to Keith Richards' accent. Baby. But baby, baby, you know, <laughs> if you're not into the blues, you're not into rock and roll and music. Mm-hmm. Because that is where it all came from, the devil's music. Yeah. And Elvis, the gospel stuff. I mean, it's just this whole amalgam of where we are today. But, and it's simple, uh, like, you know, simple writing, simple words, simple messages, but just delivered brilliantly. Yeah. So. And a lot of people, be it. Um, you know, Freddie Mercury was a, a boy soprano. Yeah, he's a quiet, a, quiet boy, yeah. Quiet. Tom Jones. So, like, they just came from, yep. a lot of it came from churches. Yeah. That was the earliest experience with music. Yeah. So let's get down to another two here and um, see One, where we're going to go.
Well, we moved on to another phase there, Ian, in the history of your experience in music, and we've got two of the big ones in one hit. Like the two big rivals, there's a big divide in people who are fans amongst both. Some were one or the other. We had it, we lived it. But you were a fan of both? At Newmarket High School, a mate of mine, John East, and I, I was a Beatles, I loved the Beatles. That, uh, I saw her standing in my very first 45. John East loved the Stones, and he maintained they were the better band. Now, as time goes on, of course, they're both fantastic bands, but so different. But both had their... Those guys growing up, they loved the blues. They were all exposed to that. A lot of the early Beatles songs were uh, things that black American artists had recorded. And the Stones were so into blues. They they would meet... Uh, Richards and Jag would meet, and they had... Uh, I think Jag might have had some money. And they... They, they waited and they sweated on the latest blues releases yeah. to come into the UK. And they followed... Um, they, and they aped them. That album, Out of Our Heads, that was my first album I bought. Right. Which uh, the last time was on... I think it was on the American version. I don't know, and uh, Can't Get No Satisfaction was the worldwide number one. Yeah. And Out of Our Heads was their first US number one album. And they so, were still, still pretty fresh. And there was a lot of blues on that album. There was, they yeah. did things like, uh, no, Spider and Fly, I think they wrote, but Little Red Rooster and stuff like that. Little Red Rooster. Well, they were Hannibal songs. So, so, I mean, in terms of, um, so this is, are we talking early high school at this point? Yeah, yeah, six, early 60s, yeah. Yeah, Beatles, so, so. I didn't get to see them. We, was everyone doing the, their hairstyles? Was everyone mimicking the Beatles? Or was no, there. There's a lot of mod type um, hairstyles because the Mersey beat was huge. Yeah, because. And all those, and, you know, all those songs that came out from Eric the Hollies and the Animals, and, the Hollies, uh, Dave Clark Five. Uh, who else was there? Did you ever get to meet any of this stunts no. eventually? No. No. And uh, you never met George Harrison or anyone? No, ne- never. No, never met any of those guys. What the late it? George Harrison? Yeah, well, see, I was at school. I was a teenager at school. And I was there, but I'd, I'd been listening to 4BC and 4BH and those stations locally. So what was the station back then when you were listening 4BC. to radio? Who was the one you were listening to at that stage? 4BH and 4BC were playing all the music. So they were the ones that had the, the cutting edge? Well, the Beatles were being played on 4BC, I think, more so because uh, they had Tony McCartney, Jeff, Tony, and Bob, Jeff Atkinson, Tony McCarthy, <laughs> Tony McCarthy, and Bob, uh, Bob Wills. So, and this would have been AM radio, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. Just all AM. Yeah, yeah. No FM. Played on the valve yeah. at home. And so did you... So I would be doing my music, my, my homework, listening to music. Okay. So did you um, did you have a portable radio then? I had a transistor. What I'd be doing as time went on at high school... That one I, that used to sit in the little black sheath, that little thing? Well, I know. I know. Um, your mum had a transistor and I'd grab the transistor and I'd put an earpiece in there and I'd put it up the... I'd have the One earpiece? Yeah. And I had the uh, the transistor in my dressing gown pocket, and I had the cable going up my sleeve, up into my ear, the earpiece, and I'd be doing my inverted commas homework. But I was studying what was coming out of the radio, yeah. and hence when Mum would go to bed and knock on the door and say night, I would say night. No, are you still studying? That's good to see. Yeah. <laughs> 
and I had no, I was no, because I went through state school, primary school, just on the seat of my pants because I was, I was a voracious reader. And then suddenly got to high school, study, what's that? Yeah. Eight but, subjects, no way. I understand you were, you were singing, were you doing gang show stuff yeah. like through at this stage? I was a boy soprano, yeah, so I was a little fella. So everyone was in the family was doing music at this stage? So everyone was playing an instrument, everyone was... I didn't play this, well I had a year of piano, I should have gone on with it, but never did. But, 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 but as young I, boys, I did singing, I had to, I was dragged off to singing lessons because I had, I was a little boy who had a beautiful boy soprano voice. And I, what I was happened? in a step, and the people at school would say, you could have been the choir. You and you know, that was, that was terrific because choir teaches you a whole heap of things and harmonies, I can harmonize with anything. But uh, I didn't like it because I was into You're into play. this music? Yeah, but I was playing uh, sport, like rugby, uh, hockey and cricket, and I'd be having to get piano lessons. I had mates outside who were you know, mocking me that I was in with Mrs. Sanso learning piano. And then when I was going to, to singing lessons... So at this point, did you actually realise, OK, I'm going into radio? I always had this thing from when were I Were you already practising, like, talking no, no. along to the song? Oh, it's... Uh... No, 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 no. I was just... I had this thing about... I just... Just fixated on Radio. If we went to the exhibition, I'd be... Have my nose pressed up against the... The, the window the of somebody yeah. doing an outside broadcast. The studio, yeah. I'd be like, I want to do that. Yeah. So, radio just had this allure. I don't know what it was. I just... And then I was on stage at the gang show and doing these things. And Plus, they got the power, though, of playing the songs that they wanted back then, I imagine. Well, they did. They broke songs. Yeah, whereas... Where that dynamic changed over time, I understand. Oh, yeah. Uh, Micah Hearn, when he was at 4BC, he broke ABBA in Brisbane. Is that the same Micah Hearn who became Premier? No way! <laughs> Chalk and cheese and poles apart. <laughs> I got to work with the late Micah Hearn in Radio 4KQ years later, and he came to my place to pick me up one day. We were going somewhere. So he had, he had power? Oh, yeah. But he, he was an English guy. And he'd worked on Radio Caroline in England. He ended up in Brisbane. Uh, Kerry Ann Kennelly's uh, brother-in-law, by the way. He married Kerry Ann Kennelly's sister. And, but Mike arrived at our place to pick me up in the cab. And he jumps out of the cab and he had a brown paper bag. He was drinking a tally in a brown paper bag in the cab as he was coming to my place. And the bloody hell. Bit of a character by the sound. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, Michael Eher. A lot of homes at that time, we had, didn't have any electronic devices to, well, apart from transistor radio, but we had a piano, an upright piano at our place at Milford Street. So my sister, your mum, learned the piano and she could play, so we would gather around the piano. Grandma Skippen had a piano. The McConnells at Eureka Street, Kelvin Grove, had a record player. And Grandad McConnell, my maternal grandfather, Pop McConnell, he had all the, he loved Ken Griffin and the organ music and Nat King Cole unforgettable and my so my everyone daddy. yeah so everyone is pretty much pretty much musical well we had a lot of music around us definitely a very strong you know binding mechanism in the family to get everyone together was music yeah and it continues to be yep that's true and at school I was in choirs because I could sing and they'd stick in choirs and go jeez oh, but I was in the school band playing drums um, well, that evened it out then. <laughs> so you weren't beaten up. Too, you weren't beaten up too much. And primary, well, until I put the bass drum through the uh, the stick through the side of the drum, being fancy, doing 
a strike, uh, a beat under my leg straight through the skin of the drum, which uh, Spencer Fork and the music teacher wasn't very impressed with. But uh, I was a good side drummer. I, we had Mr. Whittaker, who was a guy in the Northern Command Band. He was a great drummer. And he'd come and teach us drums. So I was a good snare drummer. Well, if we had, had a snare drum here, I'd let you do us a drum roll to let it lead us into the next two tunes. Well, the next two tunes come from high school. What we all 
It was, it, was like, it was something I would have thought was, it's got a little bit of Beach Boys well, feel. Actually, Is it Beach around Bo- the same sort of time? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was 60s again. And we have moved, I know we've had music since the 60s, but before we were talking about the guy at school, John East and I, with the Beatles and the Stones, we were in a school band. There was a group of us who formed a band. And you were able to play the drum side, you were saying, because we never had a proper drum kit at our school. Oh, well, I moved on from playing in a school band. This was a school band, like a rock band. Oh, really? A very loose rock band. But some good musos. We had uh, Jeff Thorpe, who passed away this year, who wanted to record that song, Velvet Waters, with John East and I, because the vocalist... For so it's called Velvet Waters by... Velvet Waters by Tony Worsley and the Fabulous Blue Jays. Tony Morsey was a Brisbane bloke, built like a brick toilet. He was a surface paradise clubby. And the fabulous blue... And the fabulous blue jays. The fabulous blue jays. Yes. So Tony Worsley was on... We're talking 60s, so that was his song. What was it called? Velvet. Velvet Waters. Velvet Waters. And it was... Put that down. So he was a surfer boy. but But he was renowned for... He could... If anyone... If you gave him shit on stage, Tony was he'd be known to jump off stage and, and go boomba and get back and continue the song. <laughs> he was fiery. He, he was a hard yeah. He still surfs, I believe. He lives in Calamba now, Tony. But uh, I'll probably surf with him at Moffat then. Maybe you could. I, I don't know. If, I haven't asked anyone if they seen him of late. But that was so. John East and I. That was our song in the band. But we had. Um, Jeff Thorpe on drums, great drum. His brother Glenn was a great saxophonist. We had Malcolm Bell on lead guitar and we had Gary Eastwell on bass. And we had we did songs like The Last Time. So where were you playing? 
we'd play at school dances and stuff like that. Yeah. So we did Poison Ivy, Love Potion Number Nine, Last Time, Satisfaction, uh, Velvet Waters, because the harmonies were in there. So Easty and I did the har- I harmonised with Easty in that. He wanted to be a school teacher, but Jeff Thorpe um, ran. He was a um, state high school music teacher and I, I think a principal at Woodford High School. But he ran the Bribey Island Big Band in recent times, but he sadly died. He, he kept on to Eastie and I through Facebook. You guys have got to get together and record that song. But you never got around to it. We didn't get around to it. Oh, Jeff died. Heartbreaker. Yeah, Jeff died. We didn't get to it. And it's still in the back of my mind that we should do it. Just because his wife is still, in, we're really into music, his wife Deb, uh, and she was running the Bridal Big Band as well. But he was, he wrote a lot of stuff. He's one of the, the few guys who gets, as a, a composer, you get a particular stamp from some uh, agency in Australia that is... Like ASCAP or something you, like that. You, yeah, you can stamp your charts. With oh, this, yes, that yeah, would he, be MCOS. He was like the Society of Music Arrangers or Composers, whatever. Yeah. And there's two guys from um, Newmarket High School, he and um, Rudy Van... So you were Newmarket High yeah. at this point? Yeah. Right. So you never went to Kelvin Grove? No. I went to Newmarket because Newmarket hadn't opened when Kelvin, when my sister Judith went to Kelvin Grove. Newmarket hadn't started. Didn't start a couple of years later. Oh, so mum went to Kelvin Grove because Newmarket hadn't started yeah. as a school? Yeah, I was in the second year intake at Newmarket. And now Newmarket doesn't exist. <laughs> they pulled out Kelvin Grove's estate there. Kelvin Grove's gone, gang gone blossoming. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So our school band, so my generation just, it was that song of that era sort of summed everything up, didn't it? The and Who. S- yeah, and The Who. Like you listen to that, and I mean, I've listened to a bit of The Who, but uh, mainly the big songs. And that's, you can tell that's early Who, but you can hear in that last bit where Peter Frampton gets in guitar, and you can hear where the sound comes for the next period. Because then you get all those other groups like Traffic and Big Star. Oh, and Steve Winwood, man, yeah. what a voice. Yeah, because like, he's Spencer Davis group. Right? Spencer Davis was a school teacher. On that note, should we uh, hit the next two and see where it goes from well, here? Well, we're going to leap, and I'm not... It's almost doing this, and when you got to know, well, you got to jump some years. You can't get one for each year. No, and I've been exposed to so much music, and a lot of it just goes by. And I know when I was B105, and when uh, Presidents of America did, uh, I'm just a teenage dirtbag. So I sang that with Jamie Dunn. We did a a little band, and we did a a school party, um, an after school party at one of the places in town. You had to come dressed in your school uniform and stuff. And I sang that with Jamie. But we also sang, and I used to do harmonies with him. They're going to put me in the movies. They're going to make a big star out of me. So, uh, he, so, so actually, Jamie's a reasonable musician? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He could play anything on guitar. He'd say not. But, but, he, he, but he actually could. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's good music. Right. Because well, I mean, you don't really get to see that. Uh, no, well, he had... Well, <laughs> he said, you know... Who would, who would have an ego big enough to write a song about themselves? Jamie, come home. That was written about him. And he followed it. He had fun, fun, fun with the Beach Boys song after that. That's when I first met him, when he was trotting that around. And I was at 4KQ, and years later we worked. But we, he'd pick up a guitar, and he'd, he'd write me chords, saying, you've got to start, you've got to learn, you've got to learn. So, okay, so we're literally getting to the end of school there. That's when you're with that band. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So now it's is writing on the wall like you, you do you know where you're going at this point in life or are you are you not really sure? You're still sort of umming and ahhing about what you're doing. I had no idea. I knew I, I just had this thing about radio and when I'd speak to vocational guidance people or careers, whatever you call them now, and I'd say I want to be in radio, I want to do radio, and they go, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you really want to do? I want to be this jockey. Yeah, yeah, okay. But no. <laughs> but what do you want to do? Yeah. So, okay, I want to be a detective. <laughs> and so what about your parents? Did your parents support did well, they believe it? Did really give you a belief did. in that in that choice or did they sort of poo-poo it or did they just let you sort of I just drifted dabble. off I was I was just my mum would say I was easily led so I'd be drifting around and didn't really pay much attention to school I was larking around all the time and I got you know I just scraped through stuff where you know I shouldn't have even gone to year 12 because my sister who was so much smarter got three A's four B's and a C in her junior examination and she left school at junior, as it was then year 10, right. to go and get a job. Whereas Dick Brain here, who stumbled and mucked around through school, even through up to year 12, because a boy had to go to year 12. Because that was what boys did. Yeah. And the girls didn't. Yeah. Different, Some did. Different times. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I just wasted. I played sports and mucked around.
songs there I mean we was that first one 70s no that was 2000 oh sorry like it sounded 70s yeah well it sounds it probably sounds 50s but it's going to be a 2007 treatment yeah we're going to explain a few things when you get down to say 10 songs and when you've been exposed to so much music that you've had no say in playing and I had a time I've played I've played every sort of music on the radio except classical. But you name it from better music when I went to 4KQ originally who boasted they'd never play the Beatles. Right. Yeah. I never knew back, that. Well, that was back in the in the 60s. That's what they, the whole thing was. While other stations in Brisbane played the Beatles, they that was their thing. 
4KQ would not play the Beatles. But they were playing middle of the road music like Al Martino and Nat King Cole. A bit more crooners and... And Perry Como and all that sort of stuff. Right. Frank Sinatra and... And the um, 101 Strings and all that. So 4KQ evolved, so I played um, from better music into, at one stage we played country. And when I first went to radio, we were playing country out in Charleville and Bundaberg and you think, oh my God, I, I just, I could have played Slim Dusty. Of then course, got, that's your core audience well, out was, there. Yeah, well, that's right. And then you, as you get uh, a bit wiser and exposed to more things and you appreciate all that stuff, what it is, one of the great recording arts of this country and songwriters and interpreters of songs and connecting with the bush, Slim Dusty. With his name alone. Yeah, well, that's right. But, you know, when you were a young kid who came up through the rock and roll and the Beatles and stuff like that, that was just... It's quite a grounding thing to go out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but I didn't like playing it. But then I, when I went to Bundaberg and I played things like Dolly Parton's Jolene, and you go, oh, my God, that was country music, but mm-hmm. different again. But then I ended up playing country at 4KQ and programming country music, but I was more into the American country music, and like the Ricky Skaggs and all those people. Bobby Bear, I used to sing with Wicked Whack and a song called Numbers. I give her 11. But there was a song that was really, I think Shel Silverstein wrote the song, but it was Bobby Bear who sang it in numbers. So I'd sing that at Fanny Adams' Ladies' Days with the band. But I was exposed to country music and really appreciated it, I guess. So what is that? What was the first song then? Well, when I was around in the 60s and 70s, we were playing Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. Led Zeppelin came later, but yeah. they were so good. But Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, had an album with Alison Krauss, a bluegrass uh, artist yes. called Raising Sand. It won the Grammy in 2007. And they got together, and Robert Plant was used to be in a rock band. Yep. But he, he loved country music. But T-Bone Burnett, mm-hmm. a good music on his own right, with Dylan, he, he played in Dylan's band. I don't know if he played in the band, but he played with Dylan. But he produced Raising Sand, which won the Grammy that year. Yes, and I remember he put them. He just threw them together. And they and, just gelled. And Alison Krauss and Robert Plant went to T-Bone Burnett's house. And he just said, well, you go to... Har-, and they just had this natural harmony. She'd never played in a band that didn't have a a banjo or a mandolin, a fiddle, and there was a bluegrass. That was her thing. One of the purest voices, though. Alison Krauss and Blues Union Station, her band. But put it with Robert Plant, and you've got that rock thing, and T-Bone Burnett producing it, and you come up with the Everly Brothers song, Gone, 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 so you're thinking about being in the 60s or 70s. It was an Everly Brothers song from the late 50s. Right, because I was just trying to get my head around it. I'm like, what? Well, do you think of the Everly Brothers Don filling their harmonies? Yes. And I, one of uh, the early albums that we had at Milford Street Alderley, where I grew up, there was an Everly Brothers album. I don't know who bought that, but there was Peter, Paul and Mary, harmonies. Um, Everly Brothers, Don and Phil, harmonies. So I was around all this harmony stuff a lot yep. growing up. So that song, when I heard Raising Sand, I've gone, 
Oh my god! It brings you back to the that period. But there's other. That album is just amazing. There's a song that they harmonise beautifully on called "Please Read the Letter That I Wrote," and it's got so much aching in it. But "Gone, Gone, Gone" is just it's, that is a great album. The second song, so. I don't know where I was exposed to Graham Parsons, and it was probably oh, so. Yes. Graham Parsons, the late Graham Parsons, he died in the Joshua Tree Motel. Yep, Joshua Tree, you too. So all these things interconnect, and you think, now why did you two name their album Joshua Tree? Joshua Tree comes out of the West Coast country sound of. Uh, Aaron Parsons, Flying Burrito Brothers, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, The Eagles. So all these things, you know, I've been exposed to. But Graham Parsons teamed up very, very early with Emmy Lou Harris. And that's what that is. singer. That was them doing Love Hurts. Wow. And Jim Capaldi had that as a big hit. Um, Love Hurts, like a, a global hit. Yeah. But that has so much emotion in that and it's from the album Grievous Angel and there's a they do there's a, all those songs he does In My Hour of Darkness on that album In My Hour of Darkness In My Hour of Need Oh Lord give me wisdom it's beautiful and so the, when do you so when do you play these songs when do I play them now yeah Wait, what mood are you in what oh look I just love to hear those around a campfire around the fire pit uh, or I'll just put them on I'm cooking I'll do anything from yeah I just put stuff on and I'll put with Spotify now it's so good so you might just put Alison Krauss in radio no not, not Alison this is Alison Krauss on Spotify yeah, yeah, just so it just spews out Alison Krauss everything from her her gospel stuff to her bluegrass to stuff with Robert Plant and they just you go oh and Graham Parsons and Emmy Lou, Emmy Lou Harris and Alison Krauss, Linda Ronstadt, the, I, I don't know why, Dusty Springfield, Aretha Franklin. I'm into, I love hearing the purity of their voices. And Emmy Lou Harris, I reckon, has one of the purest voices. Alison Krauss, they're there. Yeah, you've got to give credit where credit's due in terms of those female artists back then who, you know, in probably a much tougher time in the industry really rocked it out like Linda Ronstadt especially different drums stone ponies and she she basically um, had to release from their contract um, Don Henley and Glenn Fry to allow them to go and start yeah, well, the that, Eagles because they were yeah. they were backing, her, band. backing band yeah so she was like technically she could have stopped them going and starting yeah the Eagles but she was like no you guys need to go do your own thing man what's, what music they made and, you know when I get down and she was running the show yeah. at at yeah. the Troubadour at the time, pretty much. When you get down to 10 songs, and I think, you know, there's so much of There's The Boss, there's Dylan. You know, I love Dylan, I love Springsteen, I love U2, I love Muse, I love all those things. But when you get down to 10 songs, you think, well, where are songs that really just connect with you? And every time I hear Hearts on Fire, they do as well, Emily and Grand Parsons. And I think, oh, it just, it resonates for some reason. It's country. We've got two to go, so oh, you've got to get the, the big. We're in the big decisions here. This is the business end of the of the podcast. So, 
Yeah, I'm enjoying this uh, scotch. The dash of water. You is... want me to get one of mine now? I might have got something. I already have. I've just helped myself to a good mine. Oh, did you? You didn't yeah. get one for me. Because well, you were still halfway through your well, uh, your Cavalier. Okay. You like the, I do love that. You sold, you sold on the Cavalier. I, I told like you it's a great scotch. Great. Nice. Yeah. Well, you get me the Glenmorangie, and, and then you can line up the tunes. I'm going to line up the next one. Moving too, 
Thank you. 
the day we have. <laughs> if ever there was an epic finish to a scotch session, I think that takes the cake. I'm, I don't know how long that was, but it's a, obviously an orchestral masterpiece uh, to finish that. And who was that and what is that from? Oh, I mean, I'd, I'd like to say I know part of it. I recognise hints of it. I'm not a classical uh, boffin myself. I possibly have heard parts of it. Who is it? Isn't it funny how things you're exposed to over life and you get in 10 songs, and I had so much I had to leave out. Uh, classical music, I guess in, say, 30... I've been married 37 years this year. Early days of meeting my in-laws-to-be, Peter and Effie Reed. Pete, a man called Peter, at the very start of today's session. Number one song, now we're at number 10. Yeah, we're number 10. But the man called Peter in my life, Peter Reed, a Scotsman, had a love of classical music. Um, Rodrigo's De Hironwe, the um, Spanish one, uh, pictures of an exhibition by Mazorsky, and that one by Bedrick Smetna, the Moldau, the Czechoslovakian... Bo- Smetna. Smetna, bohemian composer, who wrote that song about... It's from the symphony... Uh, it's a symphonic poem, but... Ma Vlast, which is my country, I guess, in Czechoslovakia. Czech, yep. Czech. Um, so the Moldau, or the Vitava, Moldau in German, Vitava is the river. And when you hit da 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 da, so he's like flowing the river, and, and then you, and you can hear it over rapids where it gets da 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 da, and you can hear that through the rapids, <laughs> and it ends up the river comes down from the mountains and ends up in Prague, right, and that's the finish, and it's and I used to see. Have you been to Prague? Never been. Everyone says how wonderful it is. Everyone who's been to Prague says, one of it's on a bucket list here. Yeah. But I can still see my father was dead. Now. We have to go and see a classic uh, yeah. concert when you're there. Yeah. Maybe well, a smetna. I've got to tell you, and that was just, it, it brings back wonderful memories. I can see Peter in their place at Whiteside of Petrie conducting that. It's that swooping and the swirling of the river. And would he get up and... and yeah, he'd he would be, do that. Huh? He was a great dancer. He loved waltzes. He could he, poetry and motion on his feet. Really? With my wife, Helen. I'm a Gumby, but Peter was just... Very smooth mover. Yep. And them together were like, yeah, great. And Effie as well, was she? uh... Uh, I don't know. I never saw him dance too much with Effie, but... um... You never never got the kilt out and did the Highland Fling for you. (laughs) No. (laughs) Do it well. How how appropriate. I know that we're we're having a... He introduced me after me as a kid getting violently ill at Newmarket High School, going to a form party on Bond 7 Scotch. Well, I hope they did. Hopefully the school didn't provide it. No, they didn't. But walking across Sedgley Park after having got one of the older blokes to get uh, the Bond 7 from the Audley Arms Hotel. I can't imagine that's a classic drop. Bond 7 is terrible, but especially if you mix it by drinking Kirk's Dry Ginger Ale, drinking enough out of that bottle to pour the scotch in and then drinking the rest of it and going up to a school form party off uh, Welbeck Welbeck Street, Ramont Road, Alderley. Were you ill? I was violently ill and spent the form party in a caravan that was in their yard, smashed out on a a bed in there. That was me done. And I couldn't stand the smell or taste of scotch. 
then years later... Peter reintroduced. He introduced me to drink it sensibly and, and the finest single malt whiskies and to appreciate... And the subtle differences between them. Way, yeah. And he was from the space hub because he came from Bucky. Yeah, and he liked McCallan, didn't he? He, he, loved, he loved McCallan's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's from Buck, yeah. He's from Bucky, yeah. Port Gordon he came yeah, from. Because Buck's uh, one of my best mates. He's, uh, his name's Buck. And, the, Buck. Oh, and okay. Buck is just outside Inverness. And you pass through it when you... Um, well, you pass through Port Gordon as well. Between that's Inverness. where the Queen's English is spoken up where? that way. That's why Peter had such a, a fine, mild Scottish brawl. He was a fine Scottish gentleman. Rather than a big, thick, you know, Glaswegian accent. Yeah, he was accent. very soft, yeah. So he introduced me to those forms of classical music. Right. So you're still into the classical now? Do you know something now? I listen to nothing except what I want to listen to myself on Spotify. In the car, I listen to ABC Classic. Yes. And at home, often I listen to ABC Classic. Right. Just stick it up because I, you don't know what you're going to get. And they present... I love... There's a guy, Speaking of Scotsman, there's a, a tuba playing Scotsman does breakfast on ABC Classic called Russell Torrance and he's got the most beautiful voice and I love listening to him and the guy who follows him Martin Buzzacott is an absolute student at one time he was the music uh, the guru for the Queensland Symphony Orchestra he's got a doctorate in music so have you you gone do you go to the classical music concerts now no here any any interest Uh, if something came on that interested me like uh the um, the Messiah at Christmas Handel, time, yeah. Handel's Messiah. Wow, there's something amazing about that. I went to that last year in the City Hall. That was pretty neat. And speaking of Messiahs, before I had spent, and I had so much to toss out and things I wanted to put in for this 10 songs, but I just, I love Katie Lang's version of Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. But the first version I heard was by the guy we listen to today, Jeff Buckley. It's interesting you put that on. Because it's one of the most recorded, recorded songs of all time. Yes. You name people, they haven't done it. Well, isn't it? I think there's 45 verses in that it. That is a great version. And then you come back to the Canadian uh, poet, songwriter... Leonard Cohen. Singer, inverted commas, Leonard Cohen, who a lot of people can't stand. Hell, my wife <laughs> thinks it is so... Yeah. It's terrible. I... Through Hallelujah, I guess, and... Uh, Birds on a Wire, he wrote when he was having his little time in Idra in Greece, where it was quite a an arty community back in the, probably it was in the 60s when he was there. So he wrote about sparrows on the wire, on but the telephone lines. But when you heard the Jeff Buckley album, yeah. so you gave me the sample disc of Jeff Buckley. I've still got the, the original oh, yeah, disc. Yeah, yeah. It's actually... Not branded. Grace. Grace, that album. Yeah. And you told me at the time, and I remember this vividly, because he became my favourite artist at the time. I went and saw him in concert. I, With his cloak I was way, I was way ahead of the curve in terms of the Jeff Buckley Appreciation Society. Um, and I was known at school as the guy who was the big Jeff Buckley fan. So I recorded, I hunted down tapes. I had... I used to stay up late to hear uh, Richard Kingsmill do oh. rare uh, recordings of Jeff Buckley. Because and, and, and he didn't do a lot, did he? He didn't do a lot. And I was kind of a bit torn when they released stuff posthumously because I didn't agree that... If he didn't think it was good enough to release, why are we releasing it? Because he yeah. was a very much a perfectionist. Yeah. 
And that's why Grace is such a masterpiece. And that song, oh, oh it's just, you know, it, you well, and I... Well, I mean, Katie Lang does a great version of it too. Her songs are the 40s. But even Leonard Cohen said, that song is now Jeff Buckley's Not Mine. Well, from that, so you, you get introduced to, you think, oh, okay, Leonard Cohen, I, I get drawn to him. And I remember I... The people who run the entertainment centre, Rod Pilbeam and Harvey Lister. Rod Pilbeam, a great mate of Michael Gadinsky's from Mushroom yep. Music. And Gadinsky rang Rod Pilbeam and said, Leonard Cowan's coming through. You've got to go. If there's nothing else you do in your life, you've got to go and see, see Leonard Cowan in concert. Yeah. Rod Pilbeam said to Gadinsky, one of our great music promoters, <clears throat> was his artist he was bringing through. He said, Michael, I'd rather slash my ankles in a bathtub than go and listen to Leonard Cohen in a concert. Michael said, look, yeah, I hear you, but go and do it. Well, I spoke to Rod after I missed that concert, but Rod Pilbeam said to me, probably one of the greatest concerts he'd ever been to. And he'd seen many, many, many artists. A couple of weeks later, I'm at the Avid Reader over at West End, a bookshop. Oh, yes. Just browsing books. And I read a review subsequent to that in the Australian, um, the music section, on Leonard Cohen Live in London, a double album set, CD. So I'm browsing through the bookstore and I say, oh, here's a rack of CDs on a spindle in the middle of the store. So I'm just... You know, revving this thing around, looking what's on there from yeah. some of those African beat things or whatever. And bugger me, there's Leonard Cohen live in London. So I've grabbed it and taken it, brought it home. And I've gone, oh my God. Because it said, this is the nearest thing you're going to get to being in concert with Leonard Cohen. These two, this two albums. These set. two discs. I have listened to that so many times. Really? It is just, you are like it. And his, what... What gets you is his connection to his band and his connection to the audience. Everyone was loving him and his communication and his banter between the songs. And he he, do, he does have a little on that. But he also does I'm Your Man, which is so sexy. It's a, He sings to a woman, I'm your man. But there's another song which I wanted to put on today called Dance Me to the End of Love. It is a beautiful love song. Cohen's voice, his his reading of the words in the song and his, oh man, is so passionate. Okay, who did you see? Who is the best you've seen? I saw Queen at the Festival Hall and Freddie Mercury. What year was that? Oh, I don't know what it was now. It, but on the wooden, were you sitting up on the wooden? Uh, no, I was up the back in, in the, the in the, the, upper, in the lounge, upper level in the lounge area. Because I used, to, I, used, I used to be the uh, yeah, the host for up there. But, uh, he was, um, but Freddie Mercury and conducted like pulling the microphone stem out and using that as his mic. But one of the great rock voices, Billy Joel, I saw doing Piano Man at Festival Hall. Eagles uh, at um, Entertainment Centre. I've seen. But who's left on the hit list then? I'd see Springsteen again. 
uh, Springsteen is such a, he just gives and gives and gives. Who else is One there? of the ones you introduced me to that I've gone and seen a, m- a multitude of times is Massive Attack. Oh, yeah. Did you get to see them live? No, never saw oh, them. I, I love their music because I love the female singer in that. Well, that was Sharon Nelson. Sharon Nelson. Then you had Tracy Thorne. Then yeah, you had yeah, that excellent. Cocteau Twins and um, whatever Cocteau else. Cocteau Twins, I love Sinead. So on this note, we've, we've knocked off our 10. We've done a great journey there in, in terms of music. I think we've covered the, the whole gamut of experiences from the 50s. And it sounds like I've missed a whole about 30 or 40 years of stuff that I played. But I think, yeah, I did play all those things. I say, yeah, Solange Javar. Solange Javar. Solange. Thank you very much. Uh, in have had bored the shit out of you with all those songs. We, we have a toast to uh, to all those uh, who have passed, who love well, their I'll music in our family. Anyone my, you want to toast to? My papa, my dad, Papa Jim. Thank you for joining us on the Scotch Sessions once more. Look forward to more great Scotch Sessions coming up. I will pull my finger out and do a few more. And on that note, ba 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 ba. Wow.